Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time of the Ben Drowski Show. As I speak, it's Friday, September 17th, 2021. What's in the newspaper? What's in the headlines? If you want to know what's in the headlines, well, here's a headline. I will probably talk about this uh, issue, one of many, with my distinguished guests. Alderman declining raise drops to five. I got a lot of opinions on how that is being turned into a big issue. But uh, before we uh, get into that and all the other issues of the day, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. So introduce yourself, distinguished guest. Uh, my name is Rosana Rodriguez Sanchez, other woman of the 33rd Ward. Yes, indeed. Rosanna, welcome back to the show. Everybody knows she's one of my favorite alder, alder people right up there with alder JT, <laughs> Jeanette Taylor. Hope you're feeling better. And uh, Carlos Ramirez, all the uh, and my own alderman. I gotta give a shout out to Matt Martin. Guy shows a lot of guts, uh, and he's not a member of my beloved Democratic Socialist, but the man shows a lot of guts. All right, Rosanna, uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, Rosanna, just so everybody knows, I'm just gonna do this as an introduction, then we're getting the issues of the day. Uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez is the rookie alder person of the 33rd Ward on the northwest side of Chicago. To get to this position, she defeated her the previous alder woman, an incumbent named Deb Mel. It was a runoff, a heated battle. Deb Mel, if that last name means anything to you, if it sounds familiar, it should. She's the daughter of Richard Mel, who was the political boss of the 33rd Ward going back to the 1970s, former alderman, former committeeman. And also, we'll get into the, all of this stuff uh, daddy-in-law to a certain governor named Blagojevich, Rob Blagojevich, who used to be governor of the state of Illinois until uh, he was impeached and then eventually sent to prison on corruption charges uh, and let go as a result of his alliance with Donnie Trump and has come back to the city of Chicago over the last year and has become the leadest, leading Trumpster uh, in the city of Chicago. He's MAGA number one, uh, waving the flag for Donald Trump. And in my humble opinion, my guess is that he's uh, going to rejoin uh, an alliance with his daddy, Richard Mel, to try to get Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez 
defeated to defeat her in the next election. So that's my way of an introduction. Um, and uh, so, Rosanna, that's, uh, let's start with all the issues of the day. There's so many of them. Um, police, you were in the news lately. I think it was the um, proposal by Mayor Lori Lightfoot to sue gang members. Is that the one I'm thinking of correctly, that you moved to rules? Um, what we know about this, first of all, uh, uh, the American Civil Liberties Union was opposed to it, continues to be opposed to it. Um, they believe that, first of all, is an approach that has been tried and has not actually um, um, worked <laughs> in any way. Um, when we talk about seizing properties and assets, um, we are assuming that that we are dealing with like cartel like people and the reality is that in practice um what happens with with laws like this is that it ends up impacting mostly black and brown poor people um and it it also doesn't doesn't uh, provide opportunities to make any revenue either in practice um and this has been proven so one of the main issues that there were in after that meeting, you know, press came to me and asked me about why I sent it to rules. I explained the reasoning for it. And I said, what I'm going to say now, I believe that that is a PR stunt because we are dealing with really, we are dealing with a wave of violence in the city um, that is really painful, that is really harmful, that is very destructive. Um, but we are trying to use the wrong tools and tools that have been tried before and that don't work. So if we are serious about combating violence, then let's actually use the tools that we never use, right? Let's actually invest in communities. Let's go back to the Kerner Commission. What did they say we needed to do in the 60s to combat violence? <laughs> we never did that. The only thing that has happened decade after decade is more punitive measures and more funding for law enforcement. That is the only thing that we have done that has been actually meaningful, right? That has meaningful support and real investment. And um, it always leaves us in the same place. So um, the mayor was offended by, by my comments. And I actually want to take this opportunity to say this because I... I realized later, because I didn't see her, her press conference, that she said that I, um, that I call her all the time to ask for more police. I have not spoken to the mayor of Chicago in over a year and a half. Uh, she does not communicate with most of us, uh, or at least, you know, most of the elders that I, I relate to, I, I don't think that she um, talks to them. Um, so to say that I call her often to ask her for more police, um, it's, it's, it's pretty outrageous to me uh, because, first of all, I feel like she is calling me a hypocrite um, in, in, the, in the methods that I'm proposing. Uh, but also, that is a flat-out lie. You cannot make things up like that. You cannot say that an alderman is calling you frequently to ask you for things when that is not true. The last time I talked to the mayor was last year, during the summer. Um, and it's, it's, like, it's really disappointing to me that 
and and what what it says to me it speaks to a sort of desperation about not really knowing what to do go with whatever we have been doing forever <laughs> and then get upset when people call you out in what you're doing so i i'm not going to I, i'm yeah i'm not going to play that game um, but I did wanted to say that out loud because then some people started tweeting about, oh, look, she is calling the mayor and asking for, for police. I'm not law enforcement. I don't know how many cops you need in every district because the police don't even have a, a formula for that. <laughs> so I will leave that for the police to decide how many cops they need. Um, and I'm going to do the work that I need to be doing, which is policy to try to heal this city. Thank you for letting me talk about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever, ever once in your life called Mayor Lori Lightfoot and to ask her for more police? No. And, and that is interesting. Last, last summer when there was a lot of, uh, when the riots started and then people were really, um, people were really scared. And in my community, people started calling me to ask about the to ask about police being downtown right because then there was a lot of shootings in the community and people were like well what we know is that the police was sent downtown and we don't have any police in the districts so i did call the mayor to ask so that i could answer that question is the police downtown or is the police in the district that was the question that i asked the mayor and i asked the mayor that question because i need to be able to tell my neighbors what is happening i need to know that information i am their liaison with every city agency if they need information they're going to call me so that i can give them the most accurate information and if i don't know that i can't tell them so no i have never called the mayor to ask for more police because i think that that is usually a reactionary um position that is taken as a very opportunistic political um, maneuver, right? Whenever things get bad, whenever there are spikes in violence, it is very easy to just say, well, we need more police. And, and that is a way of simplifying a very complex issue. The other part of it is that if you only react whenever you have spikes in violence and you are not actually doing the work to get the long-term solutions in place and creating the structures to deal with the very real roots of violence, you're always going to be in the same spot. You're always going to be reacting. And you can't predict when, when spikes are going to happen. So you need to be ready for that, right? And we are not doing that in any meaningful way. So before I move on to talk about uh, the rhetoric of being tough on crime by uh, uh, hiring more police, very real uh, rhetoric in the city of Chicago, I just want to close this first chapter about Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you called her once uh, last over a year ago to talk about how police were being dispersed citywide. And she turned that into a comment in which she alleged that you call her all the time to ask her to bring more police to your district. Uh, is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, that, yeah, that is exactly right. That's straight out of the playbook of one Donald John Trump. I'm saying this. Rosanna is not saying this. But Mayor Lightfoot, that is straight out of Donald Trump's book. I've heard so many times Donald Trump talking about like Mitt Romney was on his knees begging me to endorse him. Who knows if it's true or not? All these little conversations that supposedly happened that he, he Trump will 
invent in order to undercut the credibility of somebody criticizing them. So that's just, um, that's dirty pool. All right. Uh, the rhetoric of soft and crime. Rosanna, you and I have had this conversation a million times, and I've warned you as the old guy in the block, they're going to kill you on this. You, I told Carlos this too. All you, my lefty friends in the city council, don't say defund the police. They're going to kill you on this. The rhetoric that people want police, not that they don't want police. Listen to this old man. He's been around, and you guys have said, Ben, uh, we respect you because you're an old guy, but we're a different generation, and we're heading in this direction. And you know, Rosanna, you know as well as I do that Dick Mel, who's probably going to be running whoever run the campaign and whoever runs against you, you know Dick Mel is going to. This is the card he's going to play against you. This is the card he's going to have his little puppet saying she's soft on crime, which is kind of ironic because you should just play back at that point. Mayor Lori Lightfoot saying she called me all the time asking for more police. So you guys got to figure out which one is it. Did she call her all the time asking for police or is she soft on crime? All right. So deal with the uh, issue, the counterpunch that you will have when uh, the Mel's candidate comes after you on the issue of whether you're soft on crime. So I, I think, to, for me, the most important thing about being in this seat is to be principled in my decisions and principled in my politics. And I understand that in a city like Chicago, that doesn't always translate to winning a seat. But, but I, this is what I came to this, to this space for. I am not interested in being married to the seat because I think that the work that I want to do in my life is bigger than this seat. But right now, this seat is a tool that we're using to ensure that we're trying to push for the most progressive policies that we can get in Chicago to improve the, the lives of the people who has been the, more, the most marginalized in the city of Chicago with a, with a crazy racist history of the city and and we're trying to heal that and we're trying to repair that and we're trying to ensure that um that 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 we're trying to get resources to the people that needed them most and what we have is is a city that invests most of its money most of its money in policing getting very bad results um and I, and I am going to continue pushing against that. We have an incredibly unaccountable police. We have a consent decree that hasn't been implemented. But I, I mean, I don't know how else to explain that marrying the idea that police is the only thing that we can use to provide public safety is inhumane. <laughs> and, and I'm going to continue to fight for that. If I don't win, then we didn't you know, we didn't win the messaging battle and that's fine. Electoral politics is not the only way to make change. I am not married to this seat to get a pension. And I didn't even want to run for office to start with because I didn't want to be in that position. You know, like you get to a seat and you say, okay, now I'm here and actually... I want to get a pension and I want to and I want to be able to 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 get, you know, this comfortable salary and I am going to do whatever it takes to stay in this seat. And people will do whatever it takes to stay in those seats. And that includes completely ignoring your principles and your values and turning your back on the things that you said that you were going to do. I'm not going to do that. 
So I would rather lose the seat, continue to build movement, continue to push. Um, the Whoever gets on that seat, if I am not there, whoever gets on that seat, good luck, because you are going to be confronted constantly on, on your progressive politics or, or lack of thereof. Um, and we will never continue, and we'll never stop fighting for, for this vision. I just want to point out uh, that um, the tactic uh, that Rosanna used to move the mayor's proposal to the Rules Committee is an old tactic uh, that usually mayors uh, do to uh, independent-minded aldermen uh, like Rosanna. I've seen it done so many times. So the way it works is uh, an alderman introduces a proposal that he or she uh, wants considered, and it's they want to direct it to the the appropriate committee. So for instance, this will go to the police committee. But what the mayor will do is have somebody automatically stand up and go, no, move it to rules. And rules committee is always uh, chaired by an ally of the mayor and they never hold meetings or rarely hold meetings because that's where the whole purpose of the rules committee essentially is to dump legislation that they don't want to hear. And by the way, just tying it all together for years, the chair of the rules committee was none other than Richard Mel. The same Richard Mel who is going to be engineering an opposition candidate. And don't forget it, folks. It'll be Richard Mel. Just put his head on whoever's running against her. Uh, and uh, so that's so ironic. Rosanna stole one of their tricks and they're sobbing like babies. So now they're going to have a rules committee meeting. And that's you, <laughs> Michelle Harris is going to have to convene a meeting. Oh, God, we have to have a meeting. They were super quick. They were super quick. They they had the committee meeting today, and they got it out of committee, and now it's going to public safety. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Folks, her sound went down a little bit. I'll just repeat it. Uh, <laughs> usually, when they dump the, the reformer, the independence uh, proposal and rules, the, the rules committee never meets. But for the mayor, this is your city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. There was there was a meeting of the rules committee last year at some point. It doesn't meet much. <laughs> so there was one there was one particular committee because usually the committee will meet if the mayor has an ordinance that was sent to rules. And we had sent like a few things to rules that other aldermen have introduced, but mostly on behalf of the mayor. So um at that hearing, I asked uh, the the chairwoman, uh, Harris, I asked her, so why are there no other items in this agenda? Where are the rest of our items? And she said, well, if you want one of your items removed uh, or taken out of rules, you have to write me a letter with 26 signatures. And I was like... But how does that work? Because it only takes one of us to send it to rules. Why do I need 26 signatures to get something out of rules? And the reality is that although every chair has like prerogative over how they they manage business in their committee, the, the committee rule, the, the committee of rules should meet every month to get legislation out so that we can discuss it. But that doesn't happen unless it's one of the mayors ordinances then then it meets and then you don't have to fight hard for it you don't have to send a letter right wow. like i mean i would love to see the letter that the mayor wrote to michelle harris <laughs> with the 26 <laughs> signatures to ask get her yeah. <laughs> her item out dear alderwoman harris 
the woman I made chair of the rules committee. Uh, and also, I think Lori Life was trying to get her to be the chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois, too. Dear Alderwoman Harris, please, please, please move my measure that that mean Rosanna moved. Look, guys, that just shows just, just how the game is played in the city of Chicago, man. Uh, yeah, and um, there's a lot of uh, good proposals that get dumped in rules, never heard from. In fact, that's how they uh, killed the school, elected school board for years under Rahm. Uh, they would just dump it in the rules and it would never be heard from again. All right, um, so you're going to be dealing with the uh, the issue of police in your next election. You know that. And uh, you're also um, probably going to be dealing with the issue of the pay raise. Uh, and the, the, it's interesting, the Chicago Tribune, I'll read this. I had a smile when I read this. Everybody knows I'm a little biased in favor of Democratic Socialist Alderman. Everybody knows that, so we know where I'm coming from. Um, so this is the article by a gentleman named John Byrne. It was in today's uh, Tribune. Alderman declining raise drops to five. So here's the, the, the aldermen get an automatic raise uh, every year, but they, ha they can forego it if they want to and say, no, I don't want to get the raise because for whatever reason. And five aldermen have, uh, we'll, we'll read their names, uh, Raylo, uh, 15th Ward, frequent guest in this show, Silvana Tavares of the 23rd Ward, uh, Felix Cardona of the 31st, Gilbert Viegas of the 36th, and my own alderman, the great Matt Martin of the 47th. All right. Uh, and uh, so they said they didn't want the raise. Uh, they were going to forego though. They probably want it, but they're going to forego it. Uh, and then just out of nowhere, uh, this following sentence was written. In the tribute, all five Democratic Socialist members of the council took the 2022 raise. Uh, Martin was the only one of the 18 members of the council's progressive caucus to turn it down. And I read that. And I'm like, why are you picking on my beloved Democratic Socialist? What about all the law and order aldermen? Why don't you lump them into, you know, the fraternal order police aldermen? What about Matt O'Shea? Did he take the raise? What about my boy Anthony Napolitano? Did he take the raise? What about Jim Gardner? We'll talk about him in a little while. Did he take the raise? In this city, they hate lefties. Rosanna, do you see what the Tribune did? They put, the <laughs> they took the Democrat. Why putting the Democratic Socialists? out there take it away Rosanna. i mean i think that people have a, an idea of socialists that we have to we we shouldn't be taking races we shouldn't have any sort of um of of of, of standard of living like no, nothing we we need to do like a, a vow of poverty <laughs> for people to accept us as socialists even though you know we are constantly fighting to improve the, the 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 standard of living of every worker um so i mean that that is to be expected in my case i i decided to take the race and invested in um the violence uh prevention in my community so i'm gonna be i'm just gonna be setting monthly donations uh for for violence interruption and mental health in my community um and i'll have evidence of that and you know like i it's fine. I I can I feel good about supporting those efforts, but I think it's interesting first that people have been saying that we voted like a lot of people have been saying oh they voted for for a race for themselves, right? When I came into office, this this was a vote that was taken a very long time ago. Actually, it was Dick Mel the one that was in in office, I believe when that when that vote was taken. <laughs> So I didn't take that vote. Actually, it was it was it from my ward. It was Dick Mel, the one that decided on that. 
and uh, and so the 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 pay can increase, but it can also go down um, depending on inflation. So in this in this particular case, uh, the pay went up, um, and I'm completely fine using that money to 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 invest in my community and and in, in violence reduction strategies. Um, but yeah, it is it it is interesting that the mention is us, right? The socialists should not be taking a, a race ever. <laughs> well, or just, again, it, it gets, yes, you, you get, let me stipulate this one. The central, I, I get this all the time too, so um, I always laugh when I do it when I'm dealing with Dems. So you're supposed to be, if you speak up on behalf of uh, progressive taxation and uh, redistributing the pie, then somehow you're not supposed to enjoy any of the good things in life. So you're supposed to be broke. You're supposed to wear be wearing the same T-shirt for the last year, uh, like they're coming after AOC because she went to that fundraiser <laughs> uh, with the fancy dress. Uh, you're never supposed to dress up. You're not supposed to wear makeup. You're not. You're just then you're a phony. And see, rich people, uh, Republicans, they're okay because they never act like they care about anybody else. So it's okay if they're selfish and waste money. But if you act like you care about somebody else and want to redistribute the pie so Bezos doesn't get everything, you know, then it's like, well, wait, you're wearing a t nice shirt, Ben. Why don't you just wear that ratty T-shirt? And then Rosanna, when you wear the ratty T-shirt. Then they go, whoa, what a bum you are, man. Typical socialist. So, but I don't even know if, like, the Tribune knows. You know what I mean? They just play this game for so long, they don't even know it, you know? And yeah. So that that's what's going on. That's why they they didn't mention the, the Law and Order group. The, you know what I'm saying? They didn't mention all the people who uh, voted with the Fraternal Order Police, but they mentioned the socialists. Now, I'm going to read to you what Raylo said. And they get your response. This is Raylo, uh, Raymond Lopez, alderman of the 15th Ward on the southwest side of Chicago. <clears throat> in the last year, in the height of the pandemic, uh, pandemic to, make, to take a raise just doesn't make any sense. I think people all over Chicago are going to be upset seeing aldermen take raises when they're having such a hard time themselves. The optics just aren't good, especially as many aldermen have had to close their offices and go to Zoom meetings. You're getting paid more for doing less. Well, I don't know if he was doing, I don't know if he was doing less work. I wasn't. <laughs> and I could, I mean, during the pandemic, I think that I have worked harder than I have ever worked in my life. And so did my staff. Um, we had our office open to shelter people during the polar vortex. Like my office was open basically 24 hours a day, even in weekends, because there was not enough warming centers. We went to get um, on house people during the vortex and put them up in hotels. Like I went with my chief of staff driving people around. And these are not things that I promote as like, I'm not going to go and like write a post with it. But it's like, we are out here doing all of this work. You are saying that people went home and were not working, that we were doing less work. I, don't, I have no idea then what him or his staff were doing. We were working. We have been working. We are continuing to work. We don't stop. Um, so that that's unfortunate that that is the that that is 
his assessment of his own work and and the work that his office has been doing. That's sad. By the way, uh, I mentioned it. Uh, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts. We've talked a lot about on the show AOC uh, going to the Met Gala with the dress that said tax the rich. I have very strong opinions about it, and I've articulated I'm curious, what's, what's your take on that? Um, I was really disheartened to see um, what people choose to spend their time on because we have a lot to organize. And um, it seems to me that she worked with this designer for a while to do this as an action that she understood that was going to have uh, an impact on specific people that don't necessarily like think like us, but it was like a, you know, a provocation. Um, and that was, that's what she did. And we are out here as a left, like all discombobulated. What are you organizing is what I want to know. <laughs> what, why are we spending endless minutes on social media theorizing about whatever the hell she wore? And the action that I don't, I really, really, really don't care. <laughs> like, you can actually agree that, oh my God, that was not like the most radical thing that anybody could ever do. Fine. But it was also not an awful thing to do. So just like sit down and like organize something. <laughs> like I, I, I am way too busy. And even like activists in Chicago, like I, I, my life is endless organizing meetings with different coalitions to try to get a minimum, like a basic kind of thing for ourselves and it's grueling and I see people doing this every like all the time like I I go meeting after meeting seeing almost the same faces organizing for different things people are tired because <laughs> because it, we're we're not only having our jobs but we are we're spending the little free time that we have organizing ourselves to get all of this basic stuff that is denied to us all the time and you're worried about aoc i don't like about a dress i'm sorry i don't have time for that yeah well, that's called human nature uh aoc's she's become a celebrity and so people are going to obsess over her one way also or the because other she's a woman and a brown woman at that like i just i don't have i don't have time for it well, I think she's really cool, but everybody, uh, and I and I love how she tweaked them, and give them hell, AOC. That's what I say. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's go back to Blago and Mel for a moment. Now you know as well as I do that's who you're up against. Have you seen any evidence uh, so far that it, the election? Here we are. Where are we? We're in uh, 2020. Uh, geez, I forgot where we were. 2021. So we still have a while to go before the election. Uh, it's, it's 2023 but have you seen any evidence so far in your ward of the games that richard mel plays that you could already sense uh, that he's getting ready to run someone against you um yeah i i he's been a little bit active i actually called him on the phone the other day because i i felt like there was um some misunderstanding around a development in my ward. And there has, I don't know where all the misinformation about it is coming from. <laughs> um, but there are some neighbors that are upset about, about the development and I am upset about the development too. So I'm going to use the power of 
you know, the, 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 the zoning power that we have um, only after I hear from community. At the moment, I don't support the project. The project is uh, a development in California and Addison um, by Lexington Homes. It's a really huge project. Um, so I, I have found it interesting that Big Mel has been a part of the group that has been um, organizing around it. But I, I believe it's a non-issue because I have already said that I don't support the project. But I keep hearing that, oh, the alderman is, <laughs> um, is um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stories that I have heard about it. There are community meetings that are being organized outside of our process. Um, so I don't know if, you know, this is Dick Mel who has been pushing for this. Um, it It is kind of confusing. So I called him on the phone and I, and I talked to him and I said, I just wanted to clear any confusion that there is. I just wanted to know that I don't support this project right now and that I I'm going to hold a community meeting and I created a community driven zoning process that was never a part of this ward so that people could actually come and say whatever they thought about a project. And this is a democratic process that I have decided to implement and you and everybody else will have a chance to come and chime in about the process. And if the community doesn't want it, it's not going to, I'm not going to grant the zoning change. Um, he said, you have to tell that to the city. And I was like, you were alderman, you know that without a zoning change, this is not going anywhere. So I'm not sure <laughs> what you're referring to. Um, so it was, it, it was a, a, a weird sort of interaction. Um, and it is weird that people would be, um, that some people would be organizing around a non-issue. There is nothing happening. There is no secrets. Um, there's a proposed project. There is me working with the Department of Planning and Development. And there is the community-driven zoning process. And there is going to be a community meeting. And based on the feedback that I received in that community meeting and the, and the feedback that we have received already, um, I, will, I will make my decision about the zoning change. That is all that is happening. So yeah, I have seen I have seen Big Mel um, getting involved in <laughs> in ward issues, um, uh, and then I do understand that Rod Blagojevich did tweet about the about the socialist and the pancreas. It was a it was a cryptic tweet, and I didn't really completely understand what he was saying. But I think I think I know what he's saying, but it was not very clear. I think uh, the, well, there's two issues. One, he's another one, just like the guy at the Tribune. He kept talking about the the Democratic Socialists took the raise. The, the, this is Bukovich. The Democratic Socialists took the raise. The Democrat. You would think that the only people who took the raise were Democratic Socialists. And once, they, and then he started talking about uh, lawlessness and crime and how we need more police. And I'm like, well, I just got news for you, Blago. All the pro police guys took the raise too. <laughs> You know, the Palatado took the raise. Jimmy Gardner took the raise. Posado took and, the raise. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my, my guy, Nicky Spazzato, took the raise. You know, <laughs> so it's like, why don't you mention them? 
And so, you know, and he he's a Trumpster, and what they want to do is make it seem uh, like Chicago's run by the radical left, which is such a joke, that, that concept, and uh, that there's lawlessness because the radical left is firing police uh, and then using the money to give themselves raises. That's the message they're going to put out. Absolutely. No, I, I feel like it's going to be a very right wing. Like what we are looking at right now is the right um, definitely trying to, you know, bringing back the <laughs> all the repression um, and all of those policies like the mayor is doing it. The mayor run as a progressive and now all we're getting from her is conservative, like regressive, um, very punitive um uh, legislation and it's it's scary because this is all rooted in racism and it's rooted in in awful practices and i i i am concerned that this is the rhetoric that is out there and that it also is rooted in deep fear right because that's what they run on in in fear mongering in in scaring people um, and in in thinking in a very individual way, right, um, or individualistic way. So, um, I mean, we're gonna have to continue organizing. We're gonna have to continue uh, pushing to 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 continue to to educate about progressive values and continue to defend those progressive values with with all we have. Uh, but I do understand what we're up against, um, definitely. Uh- I want to switch gears and close by asking you about mandates. And uh, so as the uh, the alderwoman of the 33rd Ward, I know you're probably in touch with a lot of the schools in your ward and a lot of the principals, local school councils, et cetera. And we talk about this on the show a lot, uh, whether uh, in public employees uh, should be required uh, to get vaccinated and, uh, you know, and eventually, I don't know, maybe even school children if we ever get to that, uh, it's a ways down the road. But what's in general your opinion, your thoughts on uh, mandates for the vaccine? You know, I, I think that education and information are always the best tools that we can use to convince people of why it's important that they get vaccinated. I think I think it's important to um, to create, you know, consciousness in people about the fact that nobody nobody lives alone no matter like no we don't operate as a single units we need each other we need each other for everything and that includes um, our ability to remain healthy by by vaccinating um, ourselves and i think that we should definitely push and try to do that as much as possible but there comes a moment when we need to take responsibility as government for our communities um so I'm definitely not opposed to vaccine mandates. I I think that what we are seeing around the country and the ways in which people who have been opposed to to vaccines um, and vaccinations have um, had a role to play in how this um, horrible pandemic has spread and killed so many people and 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 unfortunately. Other people have have to pay the price as well. We have seen a lot of healthcare workers that have died because of it, you know, and we can allow for that to happen. 
at some point we do have to say, okay, I understand that you don't want to get vaccinated, but then that means that you can participate in certain things in society because we have to, our, our main responsibility is protect people. And, um, and, and I think that we have to make that very clear. So yes, I agree with mandates. I, I do understand um, that we want to try everything that we can, but I think that we've tried a lot. And I think that, um, I do think that there has been a lot of information put out. We can do more of that, but mandates have a place in, in protecting public health. And I, I would definitely defend that. Have you ever had a, a, a opposition from someone, I don't want you to name names, but family or friends who tell you, I, I don't, I'm not getting vaccinated. I don't think I need to be vaccinated. Uh, you can't make me get vaccinated. My freedom, my liberty, et cetera, and so forth. Have you ever had to deal with that with just on a personal yeah. level? Yeah, absolutely. And it is very, very scary. Um, yeah, it it is very scary. And even when pe- with people that I love with all my heart and that I would give my life for, I have to say that I still agree with mandates. And if, if my family and the people who I adore can do certain things, because that, but that, that is, that's what we need to do. We are responsible for our people. Why do you think, I pretty much ask every guest who comes on the show this question, why do you think there is such an opposition uh, to mandates? It's it's not just uh, right wingers. Like we've been talking a lot about Nicki Minaj and her opposition to it. Uh, I, it it'll surprise me when uh, I'll encounter it from certain people that I wouldn't have expected to have an opposition to it. So, what do you think is motivating people uh, to be? Uh, I'll put it mildly, so skeptical about this vaccine there's a lot of different factors there's a history um and uh and there's definitely reason for people to be skeptical i think that there's also a lot of misinformation and people that have um purpose purposefully put misinformation out because some people are actually making money out of like all of these remedies and things that they are making up um to to combat so everything becomes a business right um, so there is that. I also think there is a beautiful piece written by Adrian Marie Brown about vaccination, um, or, or, you know, the, the, the dilemma between vaccinating or not vaccinating. And, and she talks about individualism and she talks about, about togetherness and survival. And I, I think it's one of the best things that I have read around the vaccine. Um, but I do think that individualism plays a part. She talks about in that writing, she talks about supremacy and supremacy of all kinds, right? Like, why am I exceptional? Why am I not going to take the vaccine? Because I am convinced <laughs> that I can beat this. And, it, and, and for, for whatever reason, right? Thinking that you're better than the rest of the people and that you can actually combat this. And I, that was illuminating for me because I think that um, individualism and this kind of exceptionalism mind is very rooted in the capitalist system and and and, and how we are socialized in a capitalist system. And I, I think that um, breaking with that is a very, very hard thing. Like if you think that 
the vaccine can actually harm you and that you are going to not take the vaccine and you're going to save yourself alone, like on your own. That's not how humanity works. We will save each other and we will save ourselves together. And the vaccine is part of that. Vaccinating ourselves is protecting ourselves and others. So um, I recommend everybody looking up Adrienne Marie Brown and reading that piece that is just is breathtakingly beautiful and painful. Um, and and I think that we need to continue to be patient with the people who um, who don't understand yet why it's important to get vaccinated. I am not saying that we should wait for Monday. <laughs> I am saying that as we take um, the measures that we need to take as government in order to protect one another, we have to continue to have compassion with the people who are choosing not to get vaccinated and continue to try uh, patiently to convince them of why it's important for us to get vaccinated. Well, you have a lot of compassion. I got to tell you that uh, just recently um, there's been a lot of press attention uh, put to a woman who died and they called her the QAnon supporter. And uh, I knew her as the bridge lady and she was an activist for many years. I don't know if you saw these articles. Uh, She was a leftist uh, activist who used to put signs on uh, on a bridge overlooking the Kennedy Expressway. And generally her signs were things like back in the, when she started, was Bernie Sanders. She was a big Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, and uh, Medicare for all. And then somewhere down the road, she drifted uh, way to the right. She got really upset when Bernie didn't win. She turned against Hillary Clinton. And she became eventually a QAnon supporter. I'm not making this up. And she, uh, she, got, she wouldn't get vaccinated. She got COVID and she died. And while she was in the hospital... Uh, um, the QAnon people were barraging the hospital, asking them to give her the uh, de- the horse deworming medicine because that could help her. And the hospital wouldn't do it because they had liability issues. They weren't going to just give this medicine to her. I had a lot of thoughts about this. But when she died, a lot of my, uh, I went on the air and I, I gave her a little tribute because she was a good lefty way back in the day and she was supportive of me. And a lot of my lefty friends, Rosanna, to your point, they were like, why you care about her? You know, she's a QAnon supporter and F her. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I, uh, something's lost. I think it is important also to think about mental health in all of this equation as well. Um, and how the trauma that we all have endured from this pandemic, the isolation, um, I think that there's a lot of older people that are really alone and they go into these rabbit holes of information. Um, a lot of this has to do with um, practices like, you know, nutritional practices and people who are like trying to find out how to heal this and how to heal that. And you can easily go down rabbit holes of really misguided information and people that talk about, oh, this, this uh, epidemiologist say that, oh, this doctor, this doctor, it ends up being like a chiropractor or something, you know, and not that I'm not dissing chiropractors. (laughs) Chiropractors are awesome, but they're not epidemiologists, right? (laughs) I love chiropractors. I go to the chiropractor, but 
But I'm talking about how people get confused about all this categorization. So if this person is a doctor, then they know. No, no, no. You're, you need to understand what research means. You need to understand what scientific peer-reviewed studies means. You need to understand what clinical trials actually are. Not because somebody says like they're an MD or because, you know, like or, or have doctor in their name. They are an authority in talking about vaccines or epi- epidemiology. And I, I, I think that, that that's where I believe that we need to have compassion um, because when we make fun of people or when we, you know, label people as like, oh, they're dumb because they believe these things, we just, we just further um, ostracize them and make it even harder for them to be able to ever come around. So, I mean, I'm a socialist. I believe in this like world that is going to be good to us at some point. I cannot lose faith in people <laughs> if I am, um, if I am a socialist, right? So that is not always easy, but I think that it is the task that we have as at hand. So we, we, we need to walk that walk. And that's a good place as uh, any to end it. I cannot lose faith in uh, people. I struggle with that my whole life living here in the city of Chicago. Rosanna. I'm trying not to lose faith with my fellow Chicagoans. We're looking at some of the things they do, uh, but still having the faith. And uh, so it was well put. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me. It's always always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me, Ben. All right. That's the great Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. She's the older woman. I call them older women. I don't know. Maybe older person, whatever you guys want to call it. Alder doesn't matter. Uh, of the uh, 33rd Ward. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 